This isn't about inclusivity. We're way past that at this point in time. This is about transforming and reimagining what wilderness is through Indigenous perspectives and making sure that those perspectives are shaping and directing the way we as conservationists act and approach wild nature. Welcome to the Wild Foundation podcast, Voices of Wilderness. Through the stories our guests share, you'll learn about how we can and must protect wilderness for a healthy future. We hope to leave you a little more inspired to speak out, take action, make a difference, and find solutions to the biodiversity and climate crises. Hey there, wild friends. We've got some exciting news to share. Get ready for the 12th World Wilderness Congress, also known as Wild 12, happening from Sunday, August 25th to Saturday, August 31st, 2024. And guess what? It's going down in the breathtaking Hesapa, the Black Hills, which holds deep significance as the sacred lands of the Lakota Nation. In this podcast episode, we're taking you on an adventure behind the scenes of the 12th World Wilderness Congress. We'll uncover how it all started, how it's being organized, who the hosts and speakers are, our hopes and our dreams for this event, and the powerful messages that it's going to carry. But the real cherry on top for our first episode on Wild 12 is that we've got Amy Lewis, Chief Executive Officer at Wild joining us. So she is here to spill the beans on what Wild 12 is really all about and why it's so crucial at this point in time in history. What's she expecting from this event? Let's find out. And trust us, she's got loads more of information to share about the Congress but we'll be checking back with her every so often to get more and more information. All right, let's jump in, shall we? Amy Lewis, one of my favorite people. Boy, are we excited to have you on the podcast today to give us all of the information that you've got on Wild 12 so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd be, it'd be my pleasure, Jackie. And hi, it's good to talk with you again. Thank you for inviting me back. So where would you like to start with Wild 12? Let's start with the basics. What exactly is the 12th World Wilderness Congress? What's it all about? And why is it so critical right now? Okay, so... Just a quick recap. The World Wilderness Congress in general is an opportunity for everybody who cares about keeping Earth wild, about wildlife, flora, fauna, about our own wild spirits, to come together and to coordinate on what the priorities are for protecting wilderness and wildness 
and what actions we can take as a global community together to make that happen. So this, this really is more of a coordinating event. It's a, an event about civil society coming together to agree on priorities. It's not merely a, a conference. While 12, though, has a very specific theme, it has a very specific, I think, call. And that is that even though the World Wilderness Congress has from its inception, because it was, it was founded, co-founded by an indigenous elder from South Africa, the World Wilderness Congress wants to embed indigenous values and leadership and life ways in a more central and substantive way into the wilderness conservation movement in general. This isn't about inclusivity. We're way past that at this point in time. This is about transforming and reimagining what wilderness is through indigenous perspectives and making sure that those perspectives are shaping and directing the way we as conservationists act and approach wild nature. So that is, in essence, what Wild 12 is. And the reason it's able to be this way is because we've received an invitation from the Wild 12 hosts. Wild Foundation is only ever the organizer. We always have a different host for every different World Wilderness Congress. And this time, the hosts are the Ochoti Shakoin, the seven council fires of the Lakota Nation, which is the traditional government of the Lakota Nation. And these are the descendants of the chiefs who signed the 1851 and 1868 Fort Laramie treaties, the Sitting Bull, Red Cloud, etc. This is, I think, really, every World Wilderness Congress is special, but this one is um, really special from my point of view. 100%. And I know that we are so excited to share this with Wild's community, the participants, you know, even the podcast audience, everybody in the Wild world. But it really does make me want to ask, why now? Why these hosts? Why are we putting such an emphasis on not the, not including, but really highlighting the environmental approach of Indigenous people and local communities? What is so necessary about that right now? Well, there's two answers to this question, and I'm going to summarize both of them and then go into a little bit more detail. But the first is, it always should have been this way. And I'm reminded constantly, wilderness is not an original idea. It's like this, there's this like narrative that like the European settler came over and we colonized everything, but we also had all these ideas like wilderness and we imposed them on, on other nations. And the fact is that there was a wilderness concept here in, in the Americas long before there were Europeans here, and it was very different. It described a very different relationship with nature than the way Europeans had defined their own relationship with the wild. But it was here, and so wilderness should have never been assumed to be just a European concept. And it could have, from its kind of policy and legal inceptions in North America, it could have always included these perspectives. It just, it, it just didn't. And then the second reason why now is because we're embarking on, as a, as a species, on an unprecedented journey to try and preserve the biosphere 
and retain enough wild nature so that our civilization survives and that the biosphere and the 8 million other life forms that we share this planet with also have a chance of surviving. And to do this, we have to really think more consciously about our actions towards nature than ever before and set aside enough nature, at least half, according to science, in order to ensure that we survive and the biosphere survives. In order to do that, it would be really a great opportunity to combine the restoration of indigenous lands, traditional indigenous lands, to traditional cultures. And I specify traditional cultures here, not merely indigenous peoples writ large, but to those factions within the indigenous community that want to practice the traditional stewardship and the traditional life ways on these lands to ensure that those relationships with nature are intact and the ecosystems continue to function as they always have. And so there's really this opportunity for us not to just define a sustainable relationship with nature, but also to, to bring more justice into the world and to right a historic wrong and as a conservation community, learn a thing or two. Because traditional cultures, I believe, know something about effective conservation that we, in all of our science and all of our technical knowledge, have forgotten, and that we won't truly, truly reach a sustainable place with wild nature and a respectful place with wild nature until we remember or we learn those principles once again. It really seems like this is going to be an opportunity for the Western environmental world and all of the people in it to, to learn and to absorb knowledge that has been around for thousands of years. And, you know, we always say that, I mean, Wild is very big on collaboration. I don't need to tell you that, obviously. But this is like the peak opportunity for us to come together and have a meeting of minds on different environmental strategies and I think that's just going to be so invaluable for the future of our planet and all living beings on our planet. So this is exciting. I mean, what what do you expect from this event? What outcomes are you really hoping for? Yeah, and, and, and Wild and our hosts are working on pulling together the working groups that will be responsible for these different outcomes. Probably for me, the, the chief outcome is reimagining and reinterpreting wilderness through an indigenous lens, which would involve a global declaration. And that would be a document that says, look, this is, this is what wilderness means to us. We highly recommend that wilderness means something like this for you. <laughs> And because it means this to us, it defines a certain type of relationship with nature that we also recommend. So there would be that global declaration and, and derivative of that would be a framework that comes out of this Congress that is adopted by the delegates for indigenous-led wilderness designations on indigenous lands and tribal lands so that that indigenous people are empowered through something that they themselves constructed and wrote to set aside wild areas. And when we talk about the wild at wild, we're not talking about the 1964 Wilderness Act. We're honestly talking about something that is known at the IUCN as Category 1B. 
So there are seven protected area categories at the IUCN. Category one is wilderness, and 1A is kind of that 1964 Act wilderness where man is a visitor, but he does not remain. And that's not the relationship indigenous people have with wilderness. The wilderness is their home. And that was the case, too, for uh, Makubu Ntambela, Wild's co-founder, which is why the leaf, the Erythrinan leaf is our logo, because it's something that grows in every crawl in South Africa. It's, a, it's this visual symbol that the wild is our home. So when we talk about wilderness, we're talking about a place where people with certain lifeways can live. They can stay there and the ecosystems benefit from that. So in wilderness category 1B, we're really talking about a place that has no permanent industrial infrastructure, but that traditional cultures live there. They use it in traditional ways and the ecosystems oftentimes not only persist because of that, but they benefit from, from that type of relationship. I mean, yeah, I, I think so many people forget that we are a part of nature and that we can actually live harmoniously with it. But I, but I don't want to interrupt you. Keep going, keep going. So what if I want to jump in. So there's, there's three other major outcomes we hope to get from this. Another one is a declaration on um, nature needs half and um, the 50% target and a recommendation that the restoration of indigenous lands to traditional peoples be a primary method for achieving that. So that's, that's another outcome. A third outcome is a, a kind of regional one for the Northern Great Plains to bring together all of the different groups that are working on bison restoration and the restoration of the North American prairies and grasslands and bringing those groups together to agree on certain priorities that they're working on so that they're not merely reintroducing buffalo, a herd here and a herd there in these postage stamp sized landscapes, but that they're reintroducing and they're, they're working on plans that are going to reintroduce buffalo and wild prairie in large swaths across the prairie that, that could be constructed from ecocultural corridors that are co-managed by traditional tribes and that link up the Native American reservations along the prairie through these wild corridors where buffalo are roaming. So that's another outcome we're looking for. And the fourth one is really the, the, the World Wilderness Congress that always gives something back to our hosts. And so this fourth outcome is really what we're going to work on to give back to our hosts. And that's the repatriation of Lakota artifacts and Native American artifacts writ large. And there are actually, I don't want to give anything away, but there are some pretty major goals in this, some pretty important, not just artifacts, but people that we want to bring back to North America to be um, back on their traditional lands and, and with their descendants. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about all four of these potential outcomes. Oh yeah, these are some ambitious outcomes, but obviously incredibly necessary. And I mean, I'll only speak for myself, but I am so looking forward to seeing these outcomes really materialize and come to life and make a long-term impact. So I really want to talk about who exactly this event is for. You mentioned civil society, 
you know, in the past, World Wilderness Congresses have incorporated art and culture, and I don't want to say regular people because that makes civilians seem really bland, and we're not. You know, everybody plays a part in this. So who is this event for, Amy? Yeah, well, I mean, civil society means all of us that are outside of of the government, right? And there's, I think, oftentimes a, a, a kind of lazy perception that government ought to do something about all of these problems. But what we forget is that in a democracy, and sometimes even in, in a range of government styles that are outside of the democratic tradition, leaders need people and they need constituencies to support them. They need a visible and powerful constituency so they feel empowered to take to t- stick their necks out on an issue. So when we're inviting civil society, we're essentially inviting those people who want to help support and empower leadership to make better decisions about the planet. And especially those people who could do so in really visible and powerful ways. That includes businesses and corporate leaders who want to make big decisions that are going to impact entire supply chains as well as their customer base. That certainly means artists and entertainers, the storytellers in society, because these are literally the people who write the code, the the genetic code, the DNA, for who we are and how we're expected to behave. Like stories are what tell us that. And artists are the people who define those stories. And so inviting those folks in, um, certainly the activists who are already engaged, but who want to expand their portfolio of issues to wilderness. Academics certainly are very well represented at the World Wilderness Congress. Many of our presentations are led by some of the leading scholars. And also the World Wilderness Congress is really open to accepting kind of the new, most leading edge ideas in academia. And so we really want to invite those folks. And we also want to invite those community leaders who are acting at regional and local levels to mobilize new actions and new behaviors in their neighborhoods, in their cities, in their states, in their provinces. And and so really, I mean, It's anybody who wants to engage more meaningfully and substantively around these issues that should come to the Congress. I love that. And we will absolutely be sharing ways for everybody who's listening, who really would like to participate or figure out how they can participate and be involved in the Congress. We will be sharing that at the end of this episode so that everybody has the resources to start digging into this incredible event. I don't want to skip over what I think is just a really cool, unique part of the Congress, which is the logo. A lot has gone into it. And I'd love to for you to tell the listeners a little bit about this logo because there's a lot of meaning in there. So can you share a bit about that? Yes, of course. So of course we're going to have a bison in the logo. That is non-negotiable. And our host also requested that there be an eagle there as the eagle plays a really important role in Lakota society and, and mythology. And our hosts also, you, they have a star knowledge that depending on who you ask goes back hundreds of years or tens of thousands of years. And so there was the hope that we could include some of that star knowledge in the logo. So if you look at our logo, it, it looks like a sphere, like a, a like Earth. 
but it's made up of really three components. That's the bison, the eagle, and the Big Dipper. And the Big Dipper kind of forms like, and there's the moon there too, which is like the horn of the bison. The Big Dipper forms the central part of the bison. And it's also interesting because the Big Dipper, it plays a role in the Lakota creation story. And so I love that we are able to include these these elements in there. And then also the eagle has seven feathers to represent the seven subbands of the traditional government of the Lakota people. And it also on another wing it has four feathers to represent the four sections within Lakota society. So it's a it's a pretty special logo. I I like it. Uh, and um I hope others appreciate it too, not just for its beauty but also for the kind of story that it tells. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's so important to share those details because at face value, it's a beautiful logo. But when you dig deeper, go ahead. No, I just want to jump in here too. The artist is super, super talented. She was recommended to me by one of my indigenous mentors who I've learned so much from, Gwen Bridge, recommended her. And and the artist's name is Marion Lowe, L-O-W-E. And if anybody's interested in, in getting a logo from her, I just wanted to put in a plug for her because she's been very generous with her time and her creativity on this. Absolutely. Maybe we'll have to chat with her because that would be really cool to talk to her about her creative process with it too. Because like I said, it's it's beautiful at face value, but it's to me personally, even 10 times more beautiful once you understand the meaning behind it. And that also kind of plays into the entire Congress, you know, at face value, it's an important event, but you start digging and it's really something and it's going to be a historic event. And I'm so excited for it. Amy, I know that, you know, you're tight on time and we're going to keep checking in with you throughout the next year on this process and um, on this Congress. And we can't wait to share updates with everybody. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to let the audience know before we go? Yes, there is. And that is just, I want to extend my warm invitation to this Congress on behalf of the Ocheti Shakoween and just let everybody know that they're welcome at Wild 12. We'd love to have you and I hope to see you all there. Thank you, Ames. We can't wait to see everybody there. It's exciting. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Find us on social media through the Wild Foundation. And if you're feeling inspired, don't hesitate to share this podcast with those around you and maybe even give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support more than you know, and it's that support that allows our work to continue and evolve.